2: Hey,
0: put a little. I never get this line out the first time. It's not even good. Hey, put a little. Put a little bit more in there, cowboy. And the bulldog. What's your degree in? Kicking
2: ass and taking names. On WGR Sports Radio, five fifty.
0: Let's once again check in on the news from the NFL Combine and look ahead to the draft, which is end of April, but it's uh, never too far away. The NFL draft. Just nice to be living in a period of time here around the Bills, where we're not talking about the draft in like October. Uh, you know, at least it, these days, at least it's waiting until the off season, which is, I, I guess, good. On the Westher Hotline, Mike Giardi of NFL Network. Mike, I'm Mike Shope. Thanks for jumping on here.
3: Oh, thanks for having me. And isn't it great when you don't have to worry about your quarterback? <laughs> Because, you, you know, there was a, there was a, an extensive period of time between, well, let's see, when Jim Kelly stepped away from football until Josh Allen, where you're in that market it seemingly every year.
0: 20-plus years, in fact, yes. And, um, you know, Mike, thinking about that, which I don't do often, but it, <laughs> we, we lived it, and the Bills rarely took a shot at quarterback in those years. I mean, E.J. Manuel was well jP Losman and ej oh, manuel were yeah. their are two they had bled so you know they went other directions but in terms of the first round and in both cases you know not exactly the best prospect at that time but in those days in here i was talking about drafting a quarterback in every round i mean only most only part jokingly just like why not what else is there and um yeah it is nice to be on the other side
3: yeah i'm i'm a, I'm a proponent too and like you say that but like, I, I think if not every year, every other year, even when you have a guy, you should take a shot at someone. And obviously when you have a Josh Allen, you're talking about, you know, third day, but it, it's worth it. Because if you can draft and then develop a guy, at the very least, the guy could be a cheap backup. And then who knows, maybe you do strike some kind of gold and end up with someone who's either a tradable asset that you, you could end up getting a, a day two pick, or you know, having you know, maybe a first round pick. Sometimes those things happen. Green Bay did it for a bunch of years. You know, Brunell, Hasselbeck, they were able to turn those guys behind what they already had into, into capital. So you know, I I, I still like the idea because I mean, it's the most important position in the game.
0: Last year was interesting when you had like Malik Willis after Kenny Pickett, Willis, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell. These guys going rounds three and four. And that's a really tough spot isn't it Mike like the the investment is really not there like think of Willis at this point man a year ago at this time he was like mocked really early in drafts or starting to be but at this point like he gets ends up losing his quote job to uh, like basically Dobbs was what just a journeyman free agent yeah. er- emergency with the season on the line and so like they really don't have the commitment to him they probably don't have the patience to Put him in and see what happens. It's a team that's been in the playoffs a lot, and like, where does that leave a guy like that? You know, the organization is just kind of in between on him. I don't know. Like, I wonder if he'll ever be a starter.
3: Yeah, I mean, he certainly didn't. You know, I mean, obviously the flashes of the athleticism. There were a couple of throws that you said, "Whoa!" You know, there's Dion the that we heard and and we saw at various points in the workouts uh, coming out of Liberty, but just a long way to go in terms of playing the position at the NFL level. Um, And yeah, now you you got a new GM in there. You know they blew out John Robinson midway through the year, so you know is that Robinson's pick? I mean, Mike Vrabel has a lot of sway there, obviously. So I'm I'm sure Mike was on board with it. But now you saw it. Now is there any commitment to him organizationally? I, it it doesn't feel that way. And I you know there are some rumblings about what happens with Tannehill here, whether they try to trade him, whether they decide to just you know we're going to eat it, we're going to we're going to cut him. Uh, I think the most logical thing is that he stays there unless someone blows them away with an offer, which I, I find hard to believe that someone would. Um, and then, yeah, what are you? Where, where is Willis? It, you know, he could be one of those guys that, you know, next year at this time is looking at a different team. You know, and, mm-hmm. and we're talking about well, maybe such and such a team can, can you know, bring out the promise in this kid that we talked about two years ago.
0: Really tough round for quarterbacks. You know, they just kind of have to hit it right away. He was never a guy who was going to. But, like, Russell Wilson shows up, and he's undeniable, I guess. But most of these third-round guys, like, there's a reason why they they fall. Anyway, you haven't given us your time here today for me to ask you 17 Malik Willis questions. <laughs> uh, I assume Mike Giardi of NFL Network. While we're on quarterbacks, though, what do you like at the top? Saturday is the big day where s- some, not all, not Bryce Young, but some of the top guys are, are going to show their stuff. I'm hearing a lot of excitement about Richardson yeah. uh from florida mike what do you what do you see happening there
3: well so you're and you know being in buffalo you're getting the and actually there's been a couple guys now levis is being comp to, to josh like oh, i see some 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 of the similar traits the ability to make pl- the strong arm all these sorts of things and then when you look at richardson i think it was a 53 percent passer last year at florida um and josh obviously at wyoming was the numbers were kind of similar so i think that's probably why you're getting some of that comp too um Look, he's he's a tremendous athlete. I mean, all you have to do is look at some of the highlights. You don't even have to go deep into it. Um, but it is the other stuff, it's the processing um and it's just the, the you know the overall feel for the game from a passing standpoint that he's going to have to develop at. And that's why it, he'd be one of those guys like you know the Pat Mahomes with Alex Smith ahead of him and, and basically able to sit that entire year. Like that would be a great spot if Richardson ends up, you know, in a place where they say, hey, look, we're not going to feel pressure to play you right away. You're going to sit there. You're going to learn. And when it's time, when, when we feel it's time, we'll give you the opportunity. But you're going to have to earn it. Right? So, you know, and now, you know, we went from three weeks ago he was a second or third rounder and now people are like top ten, no question. Um, and that might put a little bit more pressure on him to develop maybe faster than – you know, we were kind of thinking just a few weeks ago because of how fast this stock has risen.
0: Do you like one of these guys, like, the most?
3: I, I love Young, I mean, and I know, like, he's probably going to be the number one pick. He just has such an innate feel for the game. He, he, while not having the, the like, the most ridiculous arm, the arm is plenty good enough, uh, and he has this, that kind of quotient where it doesn't seem like anything phases him. He makes a bad throw. He didn't make too many of them or a bad play. And then he he has that ability to just sort of erase it and not let that one become two and two become four, you know, and so on and so forth. So I love that about him. The, the, the big fear there, obviously, is the size. I mean, if he was three inches taller and 20 pounds heavier, it's a no-brainer and no one's questioning it, and we're probably talking about him in the same light that we talked about Trevor Lawrence a couple of years ago, and then before that, Andrew Luck, right? I mean, that was mm-hmm. kind of the gap between who we thought were the franchise quarterbacks, but he's not big, and I'm sure he'll weigh over 200 here, um, and he's not going to do anything else, um, but the can he keep that weight on? You know, is it get, or is he just pounding Pedialyte right now and, until he gets on the scale and, and eating Doritos and – and whatever else, you know, just, just sort of get him to that weight. I, that's a, I think, as you know, like for all those guys, when you make this big push to gain weight, that's great. You get on the scale. How look at he's, – he's put on 15 pounds. He's put on 15 pounds of muscle. And then, he, you know, midway through the season, you're like, he's back down to 185. You know, like that's, yeah. that's just – that's the nature of the beast. So that's the thing that scares me. I think we've seen, you know, smaller quarterbacks have – you know, Kyler Murray's a phenomenal athlete, right? And he's thick but he's had injury problems before, even before the, the blowing out the ACL, which was, you know, whatever, that's a freak thing, uh, non-contact. But him, uh, Baker, not a big guy. You know, Baker had one good year, and then, you know, he's bounced around all over the place and clearly looks like he's a journeyman guy at this point. So I, I kind of have a fear of the smaller quarterbacks because otherwise, like I said, I think he, he checks every other box.
0: Mm-hmm. I can confirm that Doritos theory. By the way, you will put on weight. Also, turning fifty will do it. But I yeah, think...
3: uh, yes, yes, <laughs> I, I feel I feel that pain, my friend.
0: I don't think Bryce Young has to worry about that anytime soon. But so, do you have like if if, if you're a Bryce Young fan, you or anybody, what do you want to have happen here with this draft for him, like Houston? I don't know. It's fluid, but Houston has not been really good at all. Like, is that the organization for him, or do you want Indy and its new coach, or someone else? Like, what should a Bryce Young fan be hoping for?
1: Yeah, I think
3: if I'm if I'm in the Bryce Young camp, I look at I look at Carolina with Frank Reich and the All Star staff that he's assembled, and I look at Indianapolis because Steichen was part of the reason that, and, and Jalen's talked about it that he developed. Um, so I would feel if I was in his position I would feel good about those two places just in terms of like hey Frank played the position at the NFL level for a long time uh, and while he, they had a hard time finding a quarterback in Indianapolis he does know the position well I think that he, and clearly there the, the resources that Carolina's put into their coaching staff tells you how serious the owner is about getting this right uh, and continuing to throw money at it until he gets it right and and you know that's I think that's important to know that you're going to have support of the organization, that we're going to do everything we can to be behind you. Um, yeah, I'd be a little bit leery of Houston, although, look, everybody you talk to, and I, I, I got some unsolicited things from people at the Combine about just how awesome they think D'Amico Ryan is. Okay, so Maybe finally, you know, Houston got this right with their his, the third head coach in three years. Maybe Nick Casario and the ownership got this right, and they got someone that they can – they can build the foundation around, and this guy's the you know, as everybody says, phenomenal leader, but also really good with X's and O's. So um, maybe the tide has turned. But if I'm him, I'm I'm thinking more about who's got the better offensive staff in place and and a system that's proven to work in the league. And to me, those are the two teams that jumped out.
0: How do you feel about the Raiders for this with Josh McDaniels? And I mean, for now, they have some good skill position guys. I don't know how that, how that might change. It's also the possibility they go a different direction than quarterback. But um, would you like to see one of these guys end up there?
3: I think it would be fun. I think, uh, you know, like I've come around on Levis. You know, he didn't really have a great year, but there was the the toe problem, and I think it kind of threw his mechanics off a little bit. If you go back and look at the tape from two years ago and talk to the people that evaluated him then, they're like – that's the guy like if that i mean in terms of like the, that's the kind of player you're projecting like the, two years ago that per- performance would have got him in the top 10 you know top 15 um and now you know it seems like you're starting to get momentum now because people have kind of gone back and looked at that and and uh you know checking in on his makeup and and how they think he processes things he would be an interesting guy for me in that system um because he can, he, he is one of those guys that can make all the throws. Mm-hmm. Not to worry about his arm strength at all. That kid's got a freaking hose. Um, and so that would be an interesting combo. I just wonder, Vegas' problem wasn't really their offense. You know, they had some health issues there, and they didn't seem to get their three stud pass catchers on the field at the same time, but their defense is awful. I mean, they're, they're legitimately looking at a, a team that could have nine new starters on defense next year. (laughs) Um, So I wonder if they can just say, you know what, man, we kind of went in this year to do it with the the Adams trade and signing Chandler Jones, but we, we couldn't cash in on that. And now, hey, tell the owner, look, you saw our defense. We can get competent quarterback play from Jared Stidham, bring in another guy, Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, on short money for one year or whatever, build up the defense, and then go find the quarterback you know if we get to that
0: point. Yeah, good point. I was thinking about this earlier responding to a tweet about Derek Carr, Mike, like you know, um say what you want about him, but the Raiders in his entire career never had a defense yeah. that ranked above 20th in points allowed, like Isn't that crazy? And you know, Brady always has that at least, you know, just yeah. the, the difference is there. I'd like to see what he can do on a team in terms of winning because that's how, what that's what's held against him is I mean, I've had two guests this week point to his win-loss record. Like I don't know. Like he's not my favorite, but he's had a little bit of a disadvantage there. With Mike Giardi of NFL Network, I'm Mike Shope. Let's get to the Bills here, Mike, before uh, we run out of time. Like they're at 27. Mm -mm. Um, There could be some free agent departures here that have yet to be made official. What do you like for them with the you know the balance of the draft in mind and just what you think they might need the most?
3: So I keep coming back to, and it's something that was said in the immediate aftermath of, of the playoff loss. It was said when Brandon spoke, whether that was, I forget the day after, two days after, whenever that was. And then once again, sort of reiterated just a couple of days ago by Brandon that they looked at that Cincinnati game and said, we got worked on the offensive line and we got worked on the defensive line. So to me, I, I know there's a cry for another pass catcher and, um, you know, give Josh more weapons, that sort of thing. But to me, I think you saw some erosion of trust from Josh with some of the group on the offensive line. And I, I don't say that like bad teammate. I'm just like, you know, he. I think you saw in the second half of the year, he would see a flash of color and he would go. Mm-hmm. And I think in the first half of the year, not that he's not going to do that because obviously he, the man has got ridiculous skills and you don't want to take some of that out of him. But I think in the first part of the year, there was more comfort in how the line was playing. And he was able to sit back there, process, and do, do the things that he probably doesn't get enough credit for, which is his brain and how he, he, he sees the field. Um, and so to me, I just look at that. That's your biggest investment. He's the thing that makes you go. And, you know, I, I know you have four of the five starters under contract. You know, Saffold's the only one who's headed to free agency. Um, and I thought he sort of salvaged his season late in the year. I didn't think he was very good for much of it, but the last part of the year sort of looked, I don't I want to say like the old Roger Staffel, but it was a much better version than what they had been getting. But between that position and, and what you got from Spencer Brown, I feel like you could probably do something there. Again, depending on who they like. Do they like somebody that's that falls into that area? It's not. It's not an awesome draft for tackles, and as usual, there's different – opinions like some people will tell you the kid from Northwestern's the best one and he's a surefire left tackle for the next 10 years and then some people tell you he's a guard <laughs> he'd be a really good guard but he's not a tackle i think the syracuse kid you're getting some of the same thing you know he was rumored to be first round now i'm hearing you know second day stuff uh, maybe he's a guy that they look at and say well if we could get him in the second round you know we could do something else in the first round but i just i i would i would focus my energy on protecting josh uh as best i could and then you know we'll figure out the rest.
0: How do you feel Mike about weapons as well with their offense? So, I'll tell you for myself, I have been hoping the Bills would have drafted a wide receiver for like two or three years. They've been drafting defensive line with most of their premium picks, and I can I can name names, so could you. think of guy's even round 2. Last year I would give them a pass because six went before them in the first round and then even like George Pickens, Sky Moore went in front of them in round 2. Okay, it happens. This year though, you d- there's definitely names in round two also. And then there's running back, and that's not my style here. Like uh, we've seen how the NFL has shifted in terms of that. But if the Bills were say not enamored of the line choices at twenty seven, wide receiver, even running back, dare I bring it up, what uh what might you recommend?
3: Well, so I'm I'm a uh I don't know if I'm the 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 driving the bus of the James Cook fan club, but I am definitely a believer in that player. Okay. And I understand. You know, there's still some question because we didn't see. You know, he 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 wasn't carrying the ball 20 times a game, so you're, you're wondering, well, yeah, can he be? Not that there's bell cows anymore, or not too many of them in the league, but can he be that guy? I just feel like I want playmakers out in the field, and he can. He's a playmaker, whether it's as a receiver or however many runs the game you're going to give him he has the potential to pop one or or make a couple nice plays off of it um so i want him on the field i want him on the field more if i'm them and i think you you know you keep hearing from sean and it's sort of been a theme but it was a theme in the last year of dayball like we got to get back to running the football a little bit more and he said it again this week he definitely wants that to be part of their identity i don't know that i would go that far when Josh is my guy, but you do want to have a competent run game, and I think they could do that with James and whatever, fill in the blank, one-year veteran stopgap running back. Um, So then, yeah, you turn to receiver. I think maybe last year, because of how Gabe finished the year, and I know catching four touchdown passes, whatever, but mm-hmm. b- because of Gabe's work ethic and everything, maybe there was a belief that he was going to take a bigger step. And I, I kind of felt that way too. Um, and then the high ankle sprain happens. And then there's some inconsisten- inconsistencies catching the football. I think I would look at him and I would look at Shakir who I love. I was a big proponent of him coming out of the draft and stunned that he ended up in the fifth round. I think if you can get a healthy Gabe with another year under his belt, and now you have a second year of Shakir and a little bit more trust built with the quarterback that you might be okay there. I mean, would I still look to add? Yes, because I think the slot is still, a you know, you still want at least a veteran presence there and whether that means running back Cole, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I mean, that's not the, that's not going to save you, but I think they need more of a consistent answer from that position, but I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm less hung up on it than others just because I still think there's youth at that position with some high ceiling, and we haven't seen it consistently. But again, we're entering year, what, year three of Gabe and year two of of Shakir. So that that
0: gives me... How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members
1: in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by
0: fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ukulov speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023.
2: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.
3: be some hope that internally you have the options already available to you.
2: I like
0: it. Really good uh, analysis, Mike. Thank you for your time today. Hope we talk again. Absolutely, anytime. All right, cool. Mike Giardi NFL Network at Mike Giardi on Twitter. There it is again. Like he sounds really sharp to me. I don't know that we've spoken before, but how do you like that argument for offensive line versus the skills? especially receiver, because you know how I feel about running back. I don't love James Cook like that, but I'm not drafting a running back. Um, wide receiver, though, interesting. Like He's pretty pretty firm. I like what they have. Free agency is really, uh, I mean, at the top anyway, top end, pretty rough at receiver. The Bills have cap issues already. There are some interesting, we've talked about this quite a lot. If you listen all the time, you know these names, like Paris Campbell maybe Darius Slayton um others like that are down the list in terms of what they should cost at receiver maybe there's some sort of supplement to what they have there i just don't want to see them get stuck you know going into their past again like last year i mean you knew they were desperate i don't blame them for trying didn't really work out what now let's let's see a new uh, a new toy if you will that's <laughs> almost like demeaning to it it's more important you know you can live without toys Need some speed, a weapon. Weapons are what we want to call it. That's what I want anyway. But the offensive line take there for Mike Giardi uh, is pretty strong. I'm saying it, though, like I've got my hands up right now in this position. Like I feel like I'm being talked out of wide receiver here. I felt like at the beginning of the offseason, after they lost, finally they're going to know that they need this. And with what the draft looks like and – Maybe with these other points, they're good points. I don't know. Maybe not. 803-0550 for your calls. Now's a great time for you to call in if that's what you want to do. 5 o'clock, more from the Combine. Connor Rogers will join. 6 o'clock, Sabres pregame. Buffalo at Boston. Trade deadline is tomorrow. Coverage of the deadline and the Combine brought to you by Outlet Liquor. George Urban Boulevard in Depew. You are placed to buy a case, Outlet Liquor and OutletLiquor.com. This is Mike Shope on WGR. What
3: is the price of Daniel Jones? Obviously successful, led a team to the playoffs, stats aren't there, but also didn't have any weapons besides Saquon Barkley, who, if they get a deal done, Barkley will get tagged. So it, get it, figuring out his price is has been difficult, but they're working at it. Several hours a day over the last couple of days, back at it again today. He has a new agency in, in, in Athletes first. The Giants have been working with them, not around the clock, but I would say a significant amount of hours the last couple days, just to try to see, can they get this done before the tag deadline?
0: Ian Rappaport, that's the Giants, so what happens with Daniel Jones? Saquon Barkley seems if Rappaport didn't just say this, that Barkley could be a casualty if Jones is signed to the big money. I sort of feel like, not to make it too simplistic but that why would joe shane and for that matter brian dable as good as barkley is like don't they know i mean the the money that barkley would cost you could make some fans you know are often not going to get that and you know maybe they're right but my attitude about it is which i've said only about a million times is i don't want to pay up for running back barkley is a star and the Giants just made the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Dable's the coach of the year. It might be, they might need to do it delicately if they don't end up paying Barkley in terms of their fans or even their locker room and Jones getting, (laughs) this is sort of twisted, but Jones getting big money uh, might give them an out when it comes to Barkley um, just in terms of the public face of it. But, yeah, I, I kind of want to think the the new Giants guys sort of know that Barkley is a bad investment, or you know, I, I just think he is. Nothing against him; he's great. He's won me, he's won me some uh, fantasy titles, so I'm certainly not mad at him. Let's go to Tom here on WGR. Hi, Tom.
1: Hi, I, I, I enjoy listening to uh, Mike from NFL Network, and uh, and I agree with him because if you look at the Cincinnati game. Uh, Josh Allen, I mean, as soon as the ball was snapped, he was covered with people. Uh, Mahomes had a lot of time in the Super Bowl. And even, you know, Brady, when you rushed him and had no time, he was just average. And I think we can have all the weapons we want, but I've never seen a quarterback be able to throw on his back. And I think we just have to give Allen just a a second more or do something with the offensive line. And I would love to see – the offensive line worked on in the draft because that's the key to the game, right there. Is giving Allen time, and he has had no time the last three or four weeks of the of the season. It was just all Allen running and rushing and finding plays, and he can't do that forever. Thanks, so Tom. I do agree with that.
0: Oh, sorry. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I think you're overstating that quite a lot. I, I, I'm sort of used to that when it comes to Allen. Like it's never it's never Allen's fault. So if you really looked at time to throw Allen against Cincinnati or you say three or four games worth and, you know, Mahomes in the Super Bowl, I mean, my God, Mahomes, like they didn't sack him, but he was not, it was not like he was comfortable back there. I think the numbers are probably really close. I don't know that. So I'm risking sort of my memory of it uh, by saying that Um, I, I don't either think like that the bills are all set up front. I think upgrading there makes sense if they can do it i think they have to be pretty shrewd about offensive line i mean that's kind of true about most positions they're just not going to be able to spend freely and get the considered best guys so you have to really count on their process for knowing who the guys are uh and to hope hope that they get that right be it in the draft or even in uh free agency but you know, I, I think of a couple of plays from the Bills' loss to Cincinnati where he was not so much being forced to run as soon as he got the snap. I mean, it really wasn't that bad. But what, what the Bills maybe have a little bit to fix that isn't so much exactly pass protection is they want receivers and their offense just to sort of create separation, whether that's by scheme or by... Who the players are running routes uh, or both? Ideally, it's both, so that you don't need forever. You know, you don't need to have the best pass protection in the league to be able to get the ball down the field. So um, there's different different ways to to do that. I just you know, I think it's I think it's right to admit sometimes where where it is on Josh. You know, I like the way you, you talked about Tom who called in like the way. Mike Giardi was talking and I liked it too. And he said, you know, the point of the, what was the phrase? Like he saw a color and he threw the ball, you know, just, I think not that I know from experience, but it feels like at, at that position, the, the pressure builds and you know, you're not getting separation. You know that like Cincinnati, the stat that was to me the most damning about the bills that it was not like how much time Allen had, it was that like a PFF stat, perfect coverage, perfectly covered plays. The number was two thirds, sixty-six point six percent of plays the Bengals had what was determined to be perfect coverage on the Bills. So what is that? Again, it's scheme, right? Like they're they're all over what you're doing, and it's players and the Bills after digs. Like I don't know what this was for Beasley exactly because he was somebody. Who at his best was great at getting open? I'm not sure where he rates in that game or just after his comeback this year. But like the Bills did not get open. What whoever you want to blame for that, they did not get open against the Bengals. And so if you're Allen, you know you you gotta go. <laughs> I got I gotta try something. So that's not as much on him or almost at all on him. But you know there's blame to be shared from that game and the, you know like the Chiefs. The Chiefs kept the Eagles from sacking Mahomes, but Mahomes had to really—he had to scramble, literally and figuratively—in the postseason in that game, and he was—he uh, was phenomenal. Man, I—I I, I don't want to stay here because it's—it's it's annoying. But just like I was having this conversation again uh, earlier today, just they're being able to—or maybe yesterday—they're being able to win. Without, like, after the Hill trade and with his injury and just so many close games with Kansas City, they just got through and get a ring out of it. That just must be nice. Must be nice. The Sabres have traded Anders Bjork to Chicago. Uh, I said Pittsburgh earlier. I don't know why I thought Pittsburgh. Someone else maybe traded around the same time, but I was corrected and I appreciate that. Taylor Hall. Bjork was Boston. And for a minute, I thought he was interesting, but just didn't really work out that way. He's traded to Chicago for a player by the name, reportedly, of Carson Gusevich, who is from Orchard Park, played at St. Lawrence, and he's been playing for, for three years for Chicago's AHL affiliate in Rockford, Illinois. So the report is that Gusevich, from Western New York, will go to Rochester in this trade. Bjork was in Rochester. Dare I ask? Here, here's something that also might be annoying, but at least it's not about Patrick Mahomes. Thinking about the deadline tomorrow. I mentioned the last like 20 now going on 21 years. It's as long as I've been working here, these deadline shows. There have been some like lately where really the only thing to do is sell, get more draft picks, you know, like it's been for so so often, for so many years. Again, a lot of these Sabre trades, remember, are not deadline moves per se, but it's just been like seller's mode here for so long. You go back to Darcy Regeer, and the deadline was really often a source of frustration. Just the top players that you heard rumored all the time about being moved, the Sabres were like just never even in the the room for those guys. That changed, at least we think, until when, when Terry Pagula... Uh, bought the team. And that's probably... I left this out earlier. I think Christian Erhoff, and that was a trade maybe with the Islanders? What was the thing with Erhoff? But Leno, like, hmm. Well, you tell me. I mean, if, if you want. Or we can just let it be unanswered because that's probably fine. What has been the highlight of deadline day for the Sabres in literally two decades? What has been the best... Deadline move they've made, I mean Erhoff that would be my pick unless I can think of something else that I can't remember right now like that wa that wasn't like right up against the clock either, but it was right like maybe days before christian Erhoff is that right getting him i boy I might have that wrong, but I remember a couple of moments from that texting with friends and Suddenly, like, it just was, it felt like a new day. It felt like a new day that the Sabres had, they were now like a real team that could play with the big boys at the deadline. Didn't that, they wanted, that's, that's, is that the deadline? No, it's not, is it? It's summer. Yeah, that was June ninth. It's, it's summer. There's, there's deadline day and then there's like July 1st. <laughs> and they're similar, you know? They're similar and like, you sort of get anxious and what is going to get done here? Airhoff is, is, uh, yeah. It's a different day, like with Leno. That's why I put him with Leno and Brad Richards, who they didn't get. That what what is the so that that doesn't count because it wasn't a deadline move, so it shouldn't count. What is the best? What is the highlight? Some of them like you might have been excited at the time, but then, eh, Brad Boys, right? Brad Boys would be a move. Torres, Brad Boys, okay, and then. Didn't really get anywhere. It's not a day we celebrate, is it? July 1st isn't, and uh, the deadline tends to not be, too, because we've gotten rid of good players on this date, or also July 1st when they leave. Um, I don't know. It's just sort of a thing to think about. I'm optimistic for the Sabres. I think they're doing things right. There hasn't been anything substantive, at least, in my opinion, to uh, work with yet this year. The day is tomorrow. And so, you know, most years I think it's sort of normal that you wait until the last day. But this year there have been so many other trades that uh, I wonder how much of it has sort of gone by already uh, for the Sabres. But maybe they'll give us something to talk about and and play with here tomorrow. Like my first, I think anyway, um, trade deadline being back in Buffalo at my old station was Bob Corkum. (laughs) That was kind of like a... Sort of a, a joke, a punchline that was revisited every year, to follow how the Sabers at the deadline, like that was their move, that was their big move, and that's isn't that two thousand? It's either one or two. The two thousand one team was very close to a pretty long run. They lose the Pittsburgh series. Then O two ends up falling short. Anyway, the simple point is there's there's not been a lot of great memories here around the deadline or on. July 1st, the beginning of uh, free agency. Maybe today will be different, or tomorrow. Deadline is 3 o'clock tomorrow. Paul Hamilton will be with me at the top of the pregame show tonight, 6 o'clock. The Sabres are in Boston. Uh, toughest team in the league. Big big uh, task tonight for the Sabres at the Bruins. Without Darlene, without Alex Tuck, who's on IR. We'll see what they can come up with tonight. Connor Rogers back to NFL coming up in about 20 minutes. 8.03, is the number here. This is Mike Shope on WGR. Sabres and Boston Bruins tonight in Boston. Sabres are 11, 7, and 3 all-time on March 2nd. What's the 3? What's the 3? Here's John on WGR. Hi, John.
2: Hey, Mike, how are you? Okay. Just uh, as we gear up toward trade deadline day, as you said, probably going to be another boring day for Sabre fan. But uh, you were mentioning the the history. Uh, remember we picked up Stu Barnes years ago? He never scored a regular season goal, but did have some playoff excitement and a decent tenure as a, a Sabre. Sure. But, uh, just a couple other comments real quick, and I'm going to sign off here calling you from sunny South Florida. Uh You know, all these other teams are adding, and I know we're not going to mortgage the future, but whatever. All these teams are adding pieces. we got to add something. Come on, we got to boost up that third line, maybe fourth line, get some jam in there a little bit, but anything could help. And number 37 continues to kill this team. Tell me your thoughts on Casey. I'm going to hang up, but uh, thanks for the show. Uh, Good luck, trade day.
0: Thanks, John. Middlestat's done a really nice job. I mean, I, I was kind of done with him, but he's turned that around. I, I think really any... How do you even say this? I mean, you, you want to make a move to get in the playoffs. Is there a way to do it that doesn't hurt me at all? I mean, especially significantly, but at all for the future. The future is what matters. The Sabres, no matter what they do, even if you go back and, I don't know, somehow Team O'Meyer or something, that's sort of a different category, but they're they would be at best a huge long shot to win a round let alone two i mean i just don't want to try too hard and give up something that matters going forward to that end and and where does that leave you i think you're talking third or fourth line maybe you're talking defense i think they need that more i think there's there's if they're going to do anything i want it to be there and that might be doable without paying a big price. It should be, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, you want to end the drought. Goaltending is a part of this, too. Like, Also a little bit tricky in that you are not getting good goaltending most games, and you'd like to see that be different. But okay, talk me through it. I'm going to make a goalie move for these 20 games, or am I going to do something more? You can talk me into that, too for next year, because right now I don't really love how they're situated for next year in goal. Maybe that's a better idea. So I need a guy, I've got 23 games left. If I trade for a goalie, just without figuring out anything else, if I trade for a goalie, how many games is he playing? 15? I mean, if it's somebody really well-established, he just sort of takes over, I'm going to want to move one of my other goalies out to do that. That's a significant trade, and again, maybe that's something that we like um how many more games am i winning like it's one or two you know it's just these kind of deadline moves i i don't know i think they can often be not as good of an idea as it just seems just just generally you know my save percentage is low got to get better just plug this guy in and i do that goaltending does not work like that like the numbers are my truth we talked to Chad D. Domenicis the other day, and he brought it up. Because like, I, I think I might have asked him about a goalie trade. He brought it up. It's like the last X number, 12 or 13 goalies who were traded, their performance, except for one, was always down after the trade. Like, that doesn't have to mean it can't work, but that's really that's to be taken seriously. I'm sure that's something the Sabres would know. I think these Sabres would know that and sort of consider that in any sort of move. What's the bottom line? I'd love to see him do something, you know, to talk about it. And I think if they did, it would be something that we wouldn't, you know, we probably understand. And maybe it's for this year. Or maybe it's for be, uh, beyond. Um, eager to see if they can come up with something. But in terms of like getting into the playoffs, maybe, but it's probably not going to be super significant. And I think that that's okay. I think the future is what matters more here. So, kind of a boring take, but I'm a, I'm, I can live with what this situation appears to be. I don't want to talk like it's over, either. I mean, it is tomorrow at 3 o'clock, and for years, deadline trades, you know, the Friday is the day. The day of the deadline is the day. This year's just been different because there have been so many. There is maybe that feeling that you've missed something already. And in terms of certain guys, obviously, you have who've been moved already. Connor Rogers coming up next, talking about the Combine again and plans for the draft, looking ahead for that. Mike Schoep here. Bulldog is off. This is WGR.
4: Toyota, let's go places. I'm
2: Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies and the rankings of beach style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.